station will broadcast a signal at a constant frequency, but will add the sound wave representing the actual audio to that base signal. It's also called a carrier wave, resulting in the height or amplitude of the wave changing accordingly. Earbuds and earworms. I'm Amy. I forgot my NPR handle, Shepherd, and this is Mitchell Badley, WKRP <laughs> at Cincinnati. <laughs> I was like, I don't have it. We've been doing this radio like kind of intro <laughs> for right. a minute, and I was like, wait, I don't have a proper uh, radio one this time, which we really should have because. You know, sometimes when you wake up in the middle of the night or like at the very beginning of the day and you have a theme on your mind, mm-hmm. well, I actually remembered it and it was radio because I was contemplating how I used to only listen to the radio to get new music and now I have this show. So I have like vastly expanded my um, my consumption of music. Right. So I, I don't know. This is like my, my idea for appreciating the earbuddies. To getting me off my Justin Bieber jam. That works. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know, you went along with it. (laughs) Yeah, you know, radio used to play a lot bigger part in the way that people learned about music, and, you know, since the advent of the internet especially, that's been uh, kind of subjugated. And, and now people find find their music in other ways. I guess a lot of people still find stuff off the internet, but uh, or off the uh, off the radio rather. But I don't know. I get everything off the internet now. I just search on YouTube or search on music blogs. There's music blogs. I used I ran a music blog for like four years. What? Oh, speaking of which, this show's almost four years old. Oh wow. I, I've been thinking, oh, I've been doing it for like three years, no biggie, and um, we started right before the 2016 election. Yeah, <laughs> wow. Coming up on another election, so it's been four years, and that's like, it's We'll be in shocking. kindergarten soon. We're probably in, in preschool right now. <laughs> yeah, we're we're in preschool. We're just learning how to read. So. Learning shapes, maybe yeah. some numbers. And m- maybe some uh, recorder if we're in a Montessori. I was about to make a Montessori joke, too. Damn it. <laughs> Beat Wait. me to it. <laughs> Did you go to Montessori? I didn't. I just, it's it's a fun word to say, and, and so I figured I was going to say it, but um. you beat me to it, which is fine. You earned it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I did go to Montessori in Dyersburg, Tennessee, of all places. Isn't that, yeah, I who would have thought it? I didn't, I thought it was such a niche thing, but nope. It's a, it's, it's, it's in tiny little Dyersburg, Tennessee. Um. What radio song did you bring this week? I'm going to start us off with Eric Carmen and his song, Make Me Lose Control. We put the top down the bottom, beat the moon in the sky.
So this is a little sappier and poppier than what I might normally bring to the show myself, but it's genuinely one of my favorite songs of all time. Uh, the production's really great. Lots of cool instrumentation coming and going. Stacked vocal harmonies and like contrasting vocal lines. Lots of production tricks with reverbs and echoes and neat little tricks and change-ups in the music itself. Uh, and lyrically, I think it embodies a lot about what used to be so great about the radio. Uh, you know, whenever it was the main way that people heard music, it was this huge transcendent moment whenever a song that you loved came on. And, you know, there's just something so powerful and freeing to being young and like driving around with your friends and blasting the music from the radio. And, you know, you've got this newfound freedom. And, you know, this song somehow conveys that really special and unique bond between music and emotion and these like important time periods and phases in our lives where, you know, we're connecting with certain music or connecting uh, certain people and relationships with certain music. It's, it's kind of a cheesy song from a modern perspective, but there's just something so real and authentic about the way it portrays like the connection that we have to music. So for that reason alone, it'll always be one of my favorites. Well, for me, when I heard this, I was like, this is like a classic top-down driving song, except there's some like very quiet parts, so to f hear it at full speed might also be difficult, so maybe it's like a parking song, like in in a conventional, uh, was it convertible, not the T-Bird or the... T-Tops, yeah. You yeah, the T-Tops. Full convertible. Yeah, you want a full convertible with, like, the fabric on top. Um, this does have, like, a legit somewhat, I guess, sappy romantic story, and it's very classic pop rock. I don't know when it came out. When did it come out? This was late 80s, oh. if as I recall. Well, I hadn't heard it before, and it is, like, an absolute true delight. The The finger snapping part is probably my favorite. I heard the harmonies, and I thought about you, especially the acapella area. I was like, ah, I know why Mitchell loves this so much. Yes. But, yeah, you, you throw in some finger snapping, it's much like hand claps, and I just can't resist. And it is a lot like, you know, your favorite bop bopping onto the radio. So I liked it a lot. Now, I shoehorned mine in. Um, I brought Griffin McElroy's Ambulance Jam. <laughs> this late at night and what the actual fuck because uh griffin the littlest baby brother mcelroy is just like a composer and I, nobody told me i've been ignoring the adventure zone for years and i started trying to find a song last night and i found this album called radio quiet music from the adventure zone amnesty so yeah it's a stretch to like jam this one in there but i'm gonna just go ahead and jam it into the shoe um I'm, 
I don't know. I just had no idea that Griffin McElroy made music whatsoever. Uh, everybody knows I love lo-fi hip-hop, and this isn't lo-fi hip-hop, but it is close enough, and I'm I'm just not going to choose a song from my, like, studying girl or reading raccoon playlist. Enjoy this funky little tune that I can imagine is being played in an ambulance, and those probably don't have Bluetooth, so they still probably have a radio, or at least they get dispatched on radios, and that counts. <laughs> <laughs> it, it builds, and it is, like, calm, and it's, like, you know, just how ducks look like they're so chill, but it's, like, paddling really fast underneath it. It's kind of like that, and I, I'm just going to rest my case now. <laughs> I mean, let's we can make it work, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a massive fan of the McElroys, so I've been on the Adventure Zone kick for a while now. Uh, for those who don't know, the McElroy brothers are three real-life brothers uh, who started a comedy podcast called My Brother, My Brother, and Me, uh, where they find, like, Yahoo Answers questions or listener-submitted questions, and they give, like, hilarious and absurd bad advice, uh, you know, as a comedy premise. And the boys are just so sweet and, and so silly and wholesome that, you know, they've been able to expand that one podcast into this huge family of podcasts and other media. Literally. And, yeah, and and next to their original podcast, the most popular offshoot is the Adventure Zone, where they play D and D with their dad, and it gets super hilarious. But also, the youngest brother Griffin is a, a brilliant dungeon master, and he also writes original music for the episodes, and it's all so great. Uh, there's two arcs in particular early on. One's called Pedals to the Metal, uh, and the other one's called The Crystal Kingdom. Both of those have some of my favorite Griffin McElroy originals. So if you like goofs and, and if you like D and D, and even if you hate most like D and D podcasts, I think you'll really enjoy Adventure Zone. Uh, it's you know just anything that the McElroys do is just golden in my book. I know, like I love the McElroys, and I feel bad that I never like paid attention to the Adventure Zone, but now I want to because I know Griffin composes the music for it. Yeah, definitely. So I can see why he got like the thirty under thirty that he did before He's he turned a media 30. luminary. Yeah, he's a media luminary. Um, this was super nerdy. <laughs> um, our next, uh, I'm sorry, I got super excited about Griffin McElroy. Um, so our ear buddies, they like have all their songs. Like they just knew this was going to come up at some point. So they were going to like throw in some radio jams. Uh, our first ear buddy is Alex M. Who brings Esperanza Spaulding's radio song. This song's the one. sheer talent it's making jazz super approachable it's just jaw dropping and she's doing it at such a young age which i think she's like young because she's only a year older than i am so of course she's like super youngish right (laughs) right um she's been creating music since 2000 
when we were going into high school, and she would have been a sophomore junior. She released her first album in 2006, which was like my first year of college, second year of college. Um, I did first hear about her at the beginning of 2016 uh, and how she was very enamored with her upright bass on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Uh, Luke Burbank was on the episode and I was deep into TBTL at the time. Still am, but still, that's how I came across her. Uh, She is apparently polyamorous with basses, so not just one bass for her. Um, She beat Justin Bieber for a Grammy in 2011 for Best New Artist and... This is literally the most research I've ever done on a single ear buddy selection, and it is a, a half-remembered interview from NPR. But yes, it was a traumatic year, but this made it less traumatic. Um, this music's just so good. If you want approachable jazz, this is like the perfect example of approachable jazz. Yeah, I'd, I'd never heard of Esperanza Spalding, uh, so uh, this song's like, almost like some jazz fusion fusion. Uh, <laughs> she's she's taking a lot from like classic jazz fusion, kind of like Weather Report, Return to Forever. Uh, she's mixing it with a lot of modern jazz and soul and R&B, so it feels a little fresher, a little more dynamic uh, and interesting than just like going back and listening to a Weather Report album. Uh, you can certainly tell in the bass playing she's heavily influenced by Jaco Pastorius, uh, oh. and I hear a lot of that sort of Afro-Cuban influence as well and the use of like congas and timbales and like the kind of piano gymnastics that are really key to Latin musical genres. Uh, and it's interesting because, you know, she's not exactly treading new ground here, but she's definitely shining a modern light on a, on a classic sound. I think she does it well. Yeah, and it's like super for people who say they hate jazz. This is like a great album to get people to like kind of respect and like jazz, which, you know, a lot of people don't like jazz, but I like it. And also any type of Jaco Pastorius. I like it, but I don't respect it. (laughs) Okay. Our next everybody is Amy O, who brings Regina Spectres on the radio. This is how it works. You're young until you're not You love until you don't You try until you Okay, from a very small sample size, I've decided that all Amy's immediately thought of this song when first hearing this prompt. Uh, This song built how I thought radio stations were run. That song was just... Songs just were repeated haphazardly in the night when the DJs fall asleep and also kind of shapes how I feel about life. You know, we live until we don't, we breathe until we can't. It's maudlin, but it's just so hopeful and joyful, just like a record player stuck on repeat. It's just so much joy and like, you know, I live and let live and let live. I don't know. I just it's a very good song and it's got a great chorus. 
Yes, I am a huge fan of Regina Spector. I discovered her in like 2005-ish. A friend let me hear her album Soviet Kitsch, and I instantly fell in love with her music. I kind of fell fell off the train with most of the newer albums, uh, and it's probably high time that I go back and give it all a proper chance. But I just loved Soviet Kitsch so much because uh, it had its like beautiful moving moments, but also had tons of really strange lyrics and like quirky digressions that sort of derailed her into something much more avant-garde and artistic than just a beautiful voice playing beautiful piano music. And you know, I don't begrudge her for for going a little more mainstream. Uh, she certainly paid her dues with weirdness early on so you know she deserves to make some some cash just being straightforward and heartfelt <laughs> but like whenever you latch on to something because of that kitsch and because of how different it is from the mainstream it can be a little disheartening to see it adulterated but you know at least it seems to me that that the transition was a natural one for her i don't think it was like a record label asked her to become more accessible necessarily i think she just kind of grew out of that artsy phase and it seems to just be enjoying being a little more heartfelt and direct these days I know. And she still has, like, just the prettiest voice in the world. I love it. Truly. Um, Lauren is our next year buddy who brings Teenage Fan Club's radio. You can't even get it on. I don't know all your chances to like her style of music because she likes to listen to that music after school and for the love of god don't let this be a creeper song and she's definitely in college not in high school or is she a musician i'm not quite sure but i'm afraid to look too deeply into it for finding out that this could possibly be creepy uh the vibes of this song are super surfery and somewhat old school like who listens to the am radio anymore or who plays music on the am radio it's usually just like the scary side of like politics is on there or sports um it just reminds me of like jubilant summers off where you don't even notice how hot it is yeah, I'm all about that epic power pop and, and teenage ten, teenage fan club are at the top of the heap for that like 90s poppy alternative sound. Uh, they formed in 1989 and like really hit the music scene hard in like 90 and 91. Uh, obviously, they take a huge influence from Memphis's own big star uh, and they had a huge influence on the way that like alt rock and indie pop developed over the 90s. Uh, Kurt Cobain once cited them as being the best band in the world. Uh, and they're an undeniable influence on bands like Granddaddy and Oasis and Weezer, uh, who all sound pretty different from one another, but somehow they share a similar sensibility that I think is easily traced back to like Teenage Fan Club, other bands like those. So uh, super into this one. See, I thought this was like a newer band. They've been around forever. I think they put out their last full length album in like 2018 or 2016. Um, but yeah, they're still around, but their first their first album came out in 1990 and they've put out like 16 records are they still a fan of teenagers 
<laughs> I don't know. I think that, I think they were a fan club of teenagers, not uh, a fan club for like uh, fanning out over teenagers. If that okay. makes sense. Okay, that makes me feel a little bit better. I was kind of starting to get nervous. Right. Um, Charlie brings our next selection, which is Soul Coughing Screenwriters Blues. And the radio man says it is a beautiful night out there. And the radio man says rock and roll lives. And the radio man says it is a beautiful night out there in Los Angeles. You live in Los Angeles, and you are going to Reseda. We are all, in some way or another, going to Reseda someday to die. And the radio man laughs because the radio man fucks a model, too. Gone savage for teenagers with automatic weapons and boundless love. Gone savage for teenagers who are aesthetically pleasing, in other words, fly. Los Angeles beckons the teenagers to come to her on buses. Los Angeles loves love. It is 5 a.m. And you are listening to Los Angeles. This is Bukowski meets Jazz meets Weird Al, but a serious Weird Al, and it's a short story. Uh, This song's just straight up a whole mood that just makes you want to turn on some jazz radio, smoke cigarettes with that, like, extender thingy, and definitely hang out in some muggy heat in in and around midnight. Also, you're staring up at the Hollywood Hills. That totally makes sense to me. It definitely is just a very moody song, a very atmospheric song. Uh, Soul Coughing is a band that didn't get nearly enough credit when they were around, and they've kind of gotten a little bit of that cult notoriety afterwards, but like a lot of, a lot of modern bands really owe a lot to them. Uh, the singer for Soul Coughing, a guy named Mike Doty, actually lives in Memphis these days, and he's put out tons of solo material over the years, which I enjoy a lot, but back in the early 90s, Soul Coughing was mixing jazz and rock and hip-hop in a way that no one else was. Uh, the only other artist around that time that I might compare it to would be someone like Beck. But soul coughing was even kind of different and and unique from something like that. It's very hip and very quirky sound. Uh, You can tell that they're from New York City and they have that air of being like cooler and hipper than you. And in 2020, they can kind of feel plastic and and sort of bombastic. But the truth is they kind of earned that attitude. Mike Doty was just a fearless writer, channeled a lot of different influences and backgrounds into something new and innovative. And, you know, early 90s radio just wasn't quite ready for it at the time. And then, you know, in the early to mid 2000s, it was pretty much everywhere you went. You know, you would go to Bonnaroo or some other music festival and you'd get two types of bands. It was either like noodly jam bands or like hip indie bands just trying to be soul call you know doing the genre busting thing yet for the most part people still don't really know who soul coughing was and like most memphians have no idea that one of the most innovative names in in 90s music lives quietly in our city at this point i had no idea but there are a lot of musicians that are like quietly living in our our city um jeremy is our next year buddy who brings motos dance 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 to the radio who cares about the stars Street. 
orally, this somehow reminds me of they might be giants, but like it reminds me of driving down the road and all the folks ignoring the homeless folks at stoplights while turning their music up and like averting their eyes, which is kind of sad in a way. But yeah, it's 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 a mood and like how you can sound sad while saying dance, 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 dance <laughs> to the radio. I don't know. Yeah, Motor, they're an excellent example of, of like punk that doesn't have to be pissed off all the time and like dancey music doesn't have to be sterile and generic. Uh, this song is just two chords and like a dancey vibe all the way through and still just makes you want to get on the good foot, shake a tail feather. You know, it's got that punchy bass and the driving drum beat. They're just so simple, but together they make this undeniable chug that just grabs a hold of your soul and just makes you want to groove and then those shouty group vocals definitely add to the party vibes as well so you get like this poppy punk that's not pop punk you know it's just it's super groovy and i I love it it's not green day it's not green day (laughs) um our next everybody is john m who brings joy division's transmission Dakota asks what the theme of the show is like two minutes before we start recording and he's like oh did you bring Joy Division's transmission and I was like I did not but maybe you should like submit I don't know I just I assured him that it was in the show um without Joy Division we possibly may not have had emo from what I understand vaguely from that book that I read like over a decade decade ago called nothing feels good uh ian curtis was a moody af singer and nobody can make uh that like this as well dance 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 to the radio sound like a complex lyric except for him i just like the moody shit from joy division and if y'all know where i can find an unknown pleasures on a t-shirt online or (laughs) you know from a smaller not on amazon business i would really you need to drop me that link because Dakota's has holes all through it and he needs a new one, but we haven't replaced it yet because it's his favorite shirt. And of course we need a new one um, that fits. Yes. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you'll have no trouble finding an unknown pleasure shirt on the internet. Pretty much, pretty much every black t-shirt is a, a <laughs> joy division shirt at this point. Uh, but yeah, so, so, so just like the last song, uh, the chorus to this song is also dance, 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 dance to the radio. Uh, <laughs> and it, it wouldn't surprise me to learn that the Moto song that we just heard before is, is making a direct reference to this Joy Division song. Uh, Joy Division were another really influential band, huge influence on the sort of dark wave and goth rock sounds that we talked about an episode or two ago. Lots of dark reverb drenched guitars, droney synthesizers, really drab sounding chord progressions, but with like upbeat electric 
electric drums that make it really dancey and dynamic despite the sort of darker aesthetic of the other instruments. Uh, and they, they themselves were, were influenced by bands like Kraftwerk, uh, who were blending like the human element of music with the capabilities of electronics and synthesizers. And Joy Division's formulation of those influences went on to influence everything from The Cure and The Smiths to U2. Uh, and they even influenced some of their own contemporaries, bands like the Bauhaus, Susie and the Banshees. You know, they're operating from the same sort of influences as Joy Division and still ended up stealing notes from Joy Division. So just a super important important band whose who's, uh, scope and influence is, is far wider than you probably imagine. Imagine if we'd just gotten a little bit more... Just saying. Yeah. I would have liked more Joy Division. Um, can you believe that the Love Will Tear Us Apart song came out after Ian Curtis was gone? Right, yeah. That just sucks. Like, that's... I would have liked more. Um, we didn't get any tweets this week, and we didn't get any emails, but I guess I'll let you guys slide. It's okay. It's fine. But if you do want to tweet at us, we are... I'm at Pow I Gotcha. I'm at Madam Woolite, and the show is at E&D Pod. The Facebook group is Earbuds and Earworms Podcast Group, where Mitchell crafts beautiful prompts, where I would normally say, radio, songs, thanks, <laughs> bye. <laughs> and our voicemail line is... 731-400-BUDS, or... 731-400-2837. You can email the show, endpod at gmail.com, and you can check out the show website where i'm like i think i'm definitely getting like the hang of actually like linking proper links to the actual post um earbuds or it's endpod.com part of the 10710 network what's our final song this week i'm gonna leave us with a band called sylvan esso uh, and their song radio Uh, i honestly don't know a whole lot about sylvan esso as a band uh, but i've always enjoyed what i've heard from them mixing a lot of synthy electronic influences with something a bit more catchy and modern Uh, this song is a pretty direct call out to american radio Uh, even in the lyrics they mention the rule of three minutes and 30 seconds which is the ideal length of a song to play on the radio most radio stations won't even consider playing your song if it's longer than that which is pretty lame uh, American radio is also partly to blame for the idea of artists kind of concentrating on writing singles instead of crafting full length albums of quality tunes. You know, American radio is constantly exploiting what sells and then dropping and abandoning artists the moment something else comes along. It's it's pretty toxic in a lot of ways. So so Sylvan Esso being a little cheeky uh, created this perfectly crafted three minute and 30 second radio pop song to critique everything shitty about the radio and how it's kind of adulterated the artistic side of music so uh with their perfect anti-radio radio hit here is sylvan esso with their song radio
reality TV queen, folk girl hero in a magazine. 